Welcome to another episode of the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. It is Tuesday. This is episode 516, December the 6th. I'm excited to be here. We got a jam-packed show for you today. Just a reminder that you are listening to us on WQEE 99.1 FM, the key out of Newton, Georgia. And we are brought to you by Ivy Park Sports Bar Grill, Christie's Cafe, the Man in the Mirror podcast, and Local Grounds Coffee Company. I just want to remind all my listeners that we will be live at Ivy Park Sports Bar Grill tonight at 6 p.m. You want to check it out, just stop on by or watch it on Facebook Live And that show will be rebroadcasted tomorrow from 2 to 3, perfect time slot. I'm right after Rod Peterson and right before Braves Country with Mac McGee and the armchair quarterback. I'm so excited about this show because we're going to talk about the Heisman Trophy finalists. We're going to recap that Monday night football game between the Buccaneers and the New Orleans Saints. And... Going to talk about the Atlanta Hawks losing to the Oklahoma City Thunder once again. And there is seriously something wrong with the Atlanta Hawks. I do not have a guest today. And my broadcast partner and co-host Corey Bank will be back on the show tomorrow. But I do want to get into some of the sporting events that's happening in and around the Chattahoochee Valley to include High school basketball, don't forget Friday's show, I'm going to cover some of the high school basketball in the area, and I'm going to talk about the state championship games for the GHSAA starting on Thursday afternoon, 5 p.m. at Center Park Stadium, Schley County, the Wildcats trying to get their first state championship in school history is taking on Bowden in the 1A Division II championships. Followed by at 8 p.m., you have Swainsboro taking on Prince Avenue Christian. On Friday, December the 9th, at 12 p.m., you have the defending state champions, Fitzgerald, taking on Thompson. Immediately followed after that game, you have the 4A championships at 3.30 p.m. Cedartown is taking on the defending for a champions benedictine at 7 p.m the 6a state championships gainesville is taking on langston hughes moving over to saturday december the 10th the 3a state championships are starting at noon sandy creek is taking on cedar grove followed by the 5a state championships ware county taking on the two-time defending state champions for 5A, the Demons from Warner Robins. I had the privilege of seeing Warner Robins in action at Kinnett Stadium, taking on Northside, and they defeated Northside 38-7 in the second round of the 5A GHSAA state playoffs. And then to wrap things up for Georgia, at 7 p.m., the 7A state championship game, Carrollton undefeated going up against Mill Creek. And you can watch all these games on GPB TV or stream on gpb.org slash sports. Matt Stewart does a great job with the play-by-play. Hannah Goodwin and John Nelson do a great job with the pregame show. And I cannot believe that high school football has finally come to a close. I have enjoyed doing the high school football shows 
every Friday night. And we are going to wrap things up this Thursday afternoon at the St. Luke's Ministry Center, the Sports Vision's 15th annual high school junior high awards luncheon banquet. And the keynote speaker is your SEC championship coach, Kirby Smart. Looking forward to that. But we did wrap things up in Alabama last week. Congratulations to Sarah Land. Uh, they are your 6A state champions. Ramsey is your 5A state champions. And Dalzia is your 4A state champions. St. James is 3A, Fife 2A, and then Leroy is 1A. So congratulations to all the AHSAA Super 7 champions. Of course, Thompson won their fourth straight state title last week. All right, so let's get into this Monday night football game. Because for 55 minutes of the game, the New Orleans Saints was dominating. They were up 16-3 to with five minutes to go up against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. And you can never count out Tom Brady. I know that he's in the twilight of his career. He had really a bad game. Look at all the mistakes the Buccaneers made, a punt, an interception. And then Tom Brady, whenever he feels like it, he drives 10 plays, 91 yards to cut it to 16 to 10. And then all of a sudden the Buccaneers defense shows up when it matters the most. They force the Saints to a punt. And then this is one of those games where the Buccaneers, and led by Tom Brady, Coming back, winning the game 17-16. to This was a demoralizing loss to the New Orleans Saints because it really dampers their playoff hopes. The Buccaneers are 6-6. Six and six. They now have a two-game lead on the Atlanta Falcons because they do have the tiebreaker. But Rashad White with three seconds left to go. And the Buccaneers, they win the game. And I know that Tom Brady is 45 years old. He doesn't have all of his weapons. He doesn't have a run game. I mean, Leonard Fournette was only rushed for 10 times in the game. He only rushed for 76 yards. But the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they're going to win this division, but I don't know how far they're going to get into the playoffs. They have a pretty easy schedule, so I think that they will win this division. They still got to play Joe Burrow and the Bengals, but next week they will take on the San Francisco 49ers, The 49ers without Jimmy Garoppolo, who is out for the season with a broken foot. But the Brock Purdy era is starting right now. I am an optimistic San Francisco 49ers fan that feels that Brock Purdy can win a playoff game. I'm predicting that the 49ers are going to lose in the divisional round to either the Vikings or the Eagles. But every time the 49ers make the playoffs, since... 2002. That was the last time that they lost in the divisional round. So you're looking at all the postseasons that the 49ers had in the last 20 years. They make at least the NFC Championship game. Look at what Jim Harbaugh did in his first three seasons with the 49ers. 2011, they make it to the NFC Championship game, but they lose to the New York Giants thanks to a couple of fumbles by Kyle Williams. 2012, they make it to the Super Bowl. That is when... The lights came out in the Superdome, and they lose to the Ravens. 2013, the Richard Sherman tip pass. So, yeah, some three heartbreaking postseason exits for the 49ers. And then comes Kyle Shanahan in 2019. Jimmy Garoppolo leading the 49ers to the Super Bowl, where they lose to the Kansas City Chiefs in heartbreak fashion. And then 
Fast forward to when the 49ers took on the Rams last season and they fell in the NFC Championship because Jaquiski Tart could not hold on to the interception and uh, Cooper Cup just torched the 49ers in that NFC Championship. So if the 49ers make the playoffs this year, I like their chances because they have the best defense in football. And I know that Elijah Mitchell is out, but Christian McCaffrey is just going to be a workhorse. And Brock Purdy has weapons. He's got George Kittle, one of the best tight ends in football. He's got a great wide receiver core of Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and Jawan Jennings. I think that Brock Purdy can win some games for the 49ers. We will find out this Sunday. They will take on the Buccaneers at Levi Stadium in the 49ers are a four-point favorite. The latest transfer portal tracker. This is really the craziest time. Spencer Sanders, the quarterback from Oklahoma State, he has entered the transfer portal. Hudson Card, the backup quarterback at the University of Texas, has entered the transfer portal. Remember, he was in relief of Quinn Ewers in that Alabama game. And with Arch Manning coming in 2023, Houston Card is going to look at other options. DJ Uyangalele is entering the transfer portal for Clemson. This is the second quarterback from Clemson to enter the transfer portal. Remember Kelly Bryan a couple years ago because he got replaced by Trevor Lawrence. Sometimes Clemson will hit and miss on quarterbacks. They did great with Taj Boyd, Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence, and now Kate Klubnick is the next great Clemson quarterback that is playing for Dabo Sweeney and the Tigers. Devin Leary, the quarterback from NC State, has entered the transfer portal. You also have the Virginia Cavaliers, uh, Fentral Cypress, the quarterback, entering the transfer portal. The tight end, Austin Stogner from South Carolina, transfer portal. Dasan McCullough, linebacker from Indiana. Dante Thornton, wide receiver from Oregon. Jeff Sims, local kid here at Georgia Tech. I know Bryce Kuhn has got tabs on him. Jeff Sims is entering the transfer portal. I think, you know, with his injury and, you know, Georgia Tech playing great later on in the season, plus giving the interim job to Brent Key, yeah, that makes kind of sense. Graham Mertz, the quarterback from Wisconsin. Tony Grimes, the quarterback from North Carolina. Keaton Slovis, this will be his third team because he was at USC, he was at Pittsburgh, now he's going to another team. Austin Reed, quarterback from Western Kentucky. LJ Johnson, the running back from Texas A&M. Is this is where we start to see a lot of players, a lot, lot of high recruits from Texas A&M entering the transfer portal. Luke Altmeyer, the quarterback from Ole Miss. Malik Hornsby. The quarterback from Arkansas, a lot of backup quarterbacks that just could not win the starting job, and they have decided to go elsewhere. So the transfer portal is alive and well. A lot of these college football experts are saying that right now, USC looks like a very good destination, especially year two under Lincoln Riley. There's a lot of NIL money, a lot of resources, and Dion at Colorado. That could be an option for some of these players to enter the transfer portal as well. And I'd like to see if maybe one of these quarterbacks gets an opportunity with Hugh Freeze at Auburn, even though it is Robbie Ashford's job. All right, so 
former LSU head coach Ed Orgeron has been linked to the UNLV job. And why is this an important story? Well, because, number one, I'm a UNLV fan. I love the UNLV running Rebels. And that includes in football. And I think that UNLV is a good job. UNLV is one of those programs, you know, with NIL money, you're in Vegas, you're playing at Allegiant Stadium. It's a good job. Now, I know that, you know, you got a rivalry with Nevada and Really, there's not a whole lot of four-star and five-star players that are from Nevada, but there's only room to go up. They've only played in four bowl games in their career, and if you look at successful head coaches, they have not had a head coach with a winning record since Tony Knapp in the early 1980s. It has been a very long time, and really the last coach that was remotely successful was John Robinson in the early 2000s. I think that UNLV is a good job. UNLV does have that market. I think Vegas is a very underrated market, especially with the Raiders there and the Vegas Golden Knights, and you also have the basketball team the UNLV Running Rebels basketball team, which has been just incredible. And I would love to see somebody get this job. And uh, actually, I found out that Ed Orgeron is not a candidate, but he should be. I think that he would do well at UNLV. All right, your latest World Cup update right now in the 88th minute. Morocco and Spain are tied at zero apiece. But yesterday in the World Cup, Brazil scored four goals in the first half and defeated South Korea 4-1. to Neymar got his first goal of the World Cup in the 13th minute on a penalty kick. And then that was such an exciting game, Japan and Croatia, as they go to penalty kicks after a 1-1 draw and Croatia advances to the quarterfinals. So here's what's looking like. So far in the FIFA 2022 World Cup in Qatar, you got Morocco and Spain that are playing right now. This should wrap up by the time this show is over. And then Portugal is playing Switzerland later at 2, which will actually air the same time as this show on WQEE. Looking at the quarterfinals on Friday, you have Croatia taking on Brazil. Remember, Croatia went all the way to the World Cup final in 2018 where they lost to France. And Brazil has not won a World Cup since 2002. They are long overdue. Brazil is known as the Alabama of World Cup or the Yankees of World Cup. They have the best players in the world. They have the most resources. They have the pageantry, the tradition, the multiple World Cups. And they still have the greatest soccer player to ever live, Pele. But there is another soccer player who might rival Pele someday, and that is Mbappe from France, only 23 years old, playing in his second World Cup. He has already scored nine goals in his World Cup career, and that's going to be just an incredible game. England taking on France on Saturday, and oh, I forgot about the Netherlands and Argentina on Friday as well. This World Cup is about to wrap things up, and many of you know that I am 
a fan of soccer. I love soccer, being the play-by-play announcer for the Columbus Rapids and filling in for the Columbus State Lady Cougars soccer team who had an incredible season going to the Final Four. And I know the criticism was that I wasn't really a soccer guy when I was doing play-by-play. I'm a sports fan, and I have learned the game of soccer, especially by watching the World Cup. And I'm looking forward to seeing the Women's World Cup in 2023. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that the United States is probably going to be the favorites to win the World Cup. It's actually going to be played in New Zealand and Australia. As uh, my uh, soccer expert, Tanya Chavez, has been a great guest on the show. Definitely would love to have her back on talking about the Women's World Cup. All right, we have the Heisman Trophy finalists that were mentioned last night. And there is no surprise that the Heisman finalists are Georgia quarterback Stetson Bennett, Ohio State quarterback C.J. Stroud, TCU quarterback Max Duggan, and USC quarterback Caleb Williams. Why am I not surprised? All four quarterbacks. The quarterback is the most important position in college football. Uh, No defensive players this time. I'm surprised. Aiden Hutchinson made it last year for Michigan. And no Michigan players. You have the number two team in the country, Blake Corm. I know he went out with an injury. I thought that maybe he was going to be invited to New York. You had Hendon Hooker for Tennessee. I think that the ACL injury might have prevented him from going to New York. Uh, I don't know if C.J. Stroud is going to win this. I mean, he did not shine bright on the biggest stage when Ohio State got drubbed by Michigan. I think that the dark horse to win this is going to be Stetson Bennett. He is the first Georgia player to be invited to New York since Garrison Hurst back in 1992. That was the year that Gino Toretta won the Heisman Trophy and Marshall Falk, who was only a sophomore, finished second, and then Garrison Hurst finished third that year. If you look at what Stetson Bennett has done, he has had an incredible resume, a national champion, SEC champion, and now a Heisman Trophy finalist. Just think, in 2017, when he was a walk-on, how many times Stetson Bennett has been written off. They're going to make a movie about him someday. Because his story, coming from Blackshear, playing football at Pierce County, has always wanted to be a Georgia Bulldog, and he got his chance. In the COVID year in 2020, remember when they had Dwan Mathis as the starting quarterback, and Stetson Bennett came in and bailed Georgia out, and they were able to beat Arkansas because of his leadership, because he has some qualities. He's a mobile quarterback, and I don't know how many times he was written off In 2020, there were two games that people said, well, they lost because of Stetson Bennett, and if they had JT Daniels, then Georgia probably would have played in the college football playoff. You can make all the arguments you want in the world. Stetson Bennett has been the ultimate leader, and at 25 years old, I mean, he is a seasoned leader. I mean, we're talking about, what, he's in his seventh year of college? I mean, he came on campus in 2017, and Five years later, he's got an opportunity to win his second straight national championship. I said on this show yesterday, if Stetson Bennett wins a national championship, he will go down as the greatest Georgia quarterback of all time. Since I've been following Georgia, because I admit I've been a Georgia fan since 2006. That was the year I moved to Georgia. I thought that Matthew Stafford 
could have been their best quarterback. He is their best NFL-ready quarterback. Aaron Murray had a great Georgia career. And uh, Jake Fromm. I mean, you look at those quarterbacks, and I believe Stetson Bennett is better than all three of those quarterbacks. But I don't know if he's NFL-ready like Matthew Stafford. I just think on the collegiate level, Stetson Bennett has had the best seasons for Georgia so far. The body of work for Jake Fromm, I mean, that's impressive. As a freshman leading Georgia to the national championship game, he had a pretty good three years at Georgia. I, I still was a little optimistic about him foregoing his senior season. He hasn't really done anything in the NFL. Aaron Murray is an analyst now. I mean, he had an opportunity in the NFL, but does Stetson Bennett make it to an NFL roster? Is he a backup quarterback in the NFL? I think so. I think that Stetson Bennett, with his leadership and his ability, he has an opportunity to be a backup quarterback in the NFL. I just don't know how long his NFL career is going to be because he'll be, what, 26 by the time the NFL draft? All right, as an Atlanta Hawks fan and as the casual bandwagon fan of the Golden State Warriors and the Sacramento Kings, it just depends on where I live. I also was a bandwagon Memphis Grizzlies fan when I lived in Memphis for a couple of months back in 2005. I'm disappointed with the Hawks. Another game where they had a double-digit lead and they could not close it out. They were leading Oklahoma City at home by 14 points. And I talked about Shy Gilgis Alexander as one of the best players in the NBA. He scored 35 points as the Oklahoma City Thunder. Defeated the Atlanta Hawks 121 to 114. This Hawks team is very inconsistent. I know they didn't have John Collins. And I know that Bogdan Boganovich came back. I mean, he did very well off the bench, scored 17 points, shot 5 of 10 from behind the arc. But this Hawks team, who didn't have John Collins, did not have DeAndre Hunter, was relying on Trey Young and DeJounte Murray to carry the load. Well, the Hawks are now 13-11. and 11. This is a very inconsistent team. They're not one of the elite teams. But Wednesday night, they're back at it once again at the Garden. And they're taking on the Brooklyn Nets this Friday as well. Hopefully that turmoil between Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving will be a distraction. And uh, the Hawks could maybe get a win at the Barclays Center. They got a tough, tough stretch. They're back at home against the Chicago Bulls next Sunday, but then they travel to Memphis Monday, and I expect to hear all the Grizzlies talk on the Chris Vernon show. I'm a huge fan. You know, I went to Freed Hardman with Chris Vernon, but they talk nothing but Grizzlies basketball, and I know they're going to be dissing the Hawks. I mean, because they probably agree just like I do. This, this Hawks team is very inconsistent. But I love the staff over there and what they do. Chris Vernon, John Roser, Devin Walker. They do a great job with the Chris Vernon show. And I know that uh, it's going to be nothing but Grizzlies coverage. And that's one of the podcasts that I do listen to often. But the Hawks do have a very tough stretch. And I don't know if they're going to be able to overcome some of the adversity. And hopefully we can get John Collins and DeAndre Hunter back in the lineup and a, a heartfelt prayer just goes out to the TV analyst, Bob Rathburn. He collapsed during the game, and he is in stable condition. But uh, pray for his speedy recovery. 
And uh, I know that uh, just praying for the family there. Other scores in the NBA last night, it was Luka taking on Devin Booker. This game was on TV. The Dallas Mavericks beat the Phoenix Suns 130-111. to This was a preview of the Western Conference Final. And the Indiana Pacers, they look like a very sneaky surprise team. Rookie Andrew Nemhard does it again. He scores 31 points. Pacers have some pretty talented rookies. Benedict Matherin, and then they have Tyrese Halliburton, who's been one of my favorite point guards. Uh, don't be surprised if the Pacers make the playoffs. I think that they could do that. The Memphis Grizzlies do beat the Miami Heat 101-93. to And then you have the Milwaukee Bucks beating the Orlando Magic 109-102. to So my top five rookies in the NBA right now. I like to make this top five list. Right now, Paulo Boncaro, who's averaging over 20 points a game for the Orlando Magic. He is my candidate to win Rookie of the Year, but right below him is Jaden Ivey from the Detroit Pistons, Keegan Murray from the Sacramento Kings, Benedict Matherin from the Indiana Pacers, and Jabari Smith Jr. from the Houston Rockets. Those have been my five talented rookies that have done very well. I think that they're going to have a lustrous NBA career with all of those rookies. All right, let's talk college basketball. We got a big one tonight at McCamish Pavilion between the Georgia Bulldogs and the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Head coach Mike White has got the Georgia Bulldogs with a 7-2 and record taking on a Yellow Jackets team that's 5-3, and three, led by head coach Josh Pastner. This is a time where Georgia really has no expectations this year, but the expectations for Georgia Tech is to get to the NCAA tournament. Otherwise, I believe that Josh Pastner is going to be gone as head coach. We all know the expectations for Georgia Tech. This is a basketball program. I, I'm very aware of how great Georgia Tech was in the 80s and 90s with Bobby Crimmins. And then they overexceeded their expectations when they reached the NCAA championship game in 2004 where they lost to UConn. And then that's when head coach Paul Hewitt got a big extension. And since then, Brian Gregory hasn't really done anything. And now Josh Pastner, who has experience. Remember, he was the coach that took over for John Calipari at Memphis. Georgia Tech did make it to the NCAA tournament a couple years ago, but they lost to Loyola Chicago. This is a team that is one of the top teams in the ACC. There is a lot of expectations. If you look at the ACC, at least half the teams should make the NCAA tournament. And let's be realistic. Georgia Tech is one of those teams that is more on the outside than ever. I mean, Louisville's 0-8 right now. They've had a terrible season. Florida State's 1-9. and You know, they're a long way from their years with Scotty Barnes. But you look at Boston College. North Carolina is the number one team. You have Virginia. Tony Bennett has always had a great program at Virginia. They won the championship in 2019. Duke without Coach K, I still think that they are a very good team. You know, Clemson, Pitt, Syracuse, they're all surprises. NC State and Wake Forest, I think that they should be right there with Georgia Tech. they got to get some wins. Uh, Georgia Tech, I mean, they have an opportunity to get a win over their longtime state rival. 
the Georgia Bulldogs at home, I expect them to win this game. And then they take on North Carolina this Saturday. This is my favorite time of the year. I love bowl season. And the bowls are starting earlier and earlier every year. Starting on Friday, December the 16th at 11.30 a.m. It's the hometown Lenders Bahamas Bowl. Miami of Ohio taking on UAB. Both teams are 6-6. Six and six. Now, Trent Dilfer is now the new head coach at UAB. And he is on the recruiting trail. And I'm just happy to see UAB back with a football program. Remember, they discontinued for a couple of years and they came back. And then at 3 p.m., you got two ranked teams. And we get a ranked opponent this early in the bowl season. UTSA taking on Troy, both 11-2 in the Duluth Trading Cure Bowl. And then we have a huge lineup of bowl games on Saturday. The 6-6 six six Florida Gators taking on Oregon State. That is a intriguing bowl matchup, but Anthony Richardson is going to forgo the bowl game and enter into the NFL draft. On Monday, you got Marshall and UConn. Tuesday, December the 20th, I'm a huge San Jose State fan. They're 7-4, and four, taking on Eastern Michigan. Nice to see them in a bowl game. Wednesday, Western Kentucky and South Alabama. The Jaguars of South Alabama, a 10-2 record, not too shabby. Thursday, Baylor and Air Force. Baylor had a very disappointing 6-6 six and six season. And then Friday, December 23rd, Wake Forest and Missouri in the Gasparilla Bowl. Louisiana, Raisin Cajuns in, the, in uh, the Independence Bowl with Houston. And then Christmas Eve, Middle Tennessee State. Remember a long time ago, they destroyed Miami? Well, they really messed up their bowl chances. They take on San Diego State in the Hawaii Bowl. Monday, the day after Christmas, the 26th, New Mexico State taking on Bowling Green. It's a battle of two 6-6 teams in the Quick Lane Bowl. And then Georgia Southern, remember, they got that win over Appalachian State to become bowl eligible. They are taking on Buffalo in the Camellia Bowl. A long time ago, I was able to see Buffalo taking on Georgia back when they had Khalil Mack as their middle linebacker. Turner Gill used to be their head coach a while back. But that game is in Montgomery. Now, a couple of years ago when Georgia Southern was in a bowl game in Montgomery, Columbus is usually the place they stop to get something to eat. I was at a Chick-fil-A one time, and I saw a bunch of Georgia Southern players and uh, fans that were wearing Georgia Southern gear. So they're going to make that trip from Statesboro to Montgomery, Alabama, and I expect to see them in Columbus stopping at that Chick-fil-A. Oh, yeah. All right, the Memphis Tigers in Utah State in the Serve Pro First Responders Bowl. Coastal Carolina, East Carolina, and then Wisconsin and Oklahoma State in the Guaranteed Rate Bowl. That is 10-15 at night on December 27th. So December 28th, you got Oregon taking on North Carolina, UCF taking on Duke, Kansas and Arkansas, Texas Tech and Ole Miss. Thursday, December 29th, Oklahoma, very disappointing 6-6 six six season. I think they're just going to get steamrolled by Florida State. Florida State has an opportunity to win 10 games. What Mike Norville has done incredible and really this is the most intriguing game on primetime on ESPN at 9 p.m. Texas taking on Washington I really want to see this game and then Syracuse is taking on Minnesota in the pinstripe bowl remember this game got canceled last year because of COVID 
It's played at Yankee Stadium. So this time last year, the bowl season, yeah, Texas A&M missed out on a bowl game. We had COVID going on with Omicron. A lot of sporting events were canceled. Knock on wood, not trying to say that this time. Hopefully, you know, we could figure that out and, and never have that happen again because that was just demoralizing. December the 30th, you know, the Friday leading up to New Year's, you have massive bowl games all day long. Maryland taking on NC State at noon. You have Pitt taking on UCLA in the Sun Bowl on CBS. The Gator Bowl is Notre Dame and South Carolina. You know, nobody wants to play South Carolina right now. That's a very intriguing bowl game. I'm looking forward to that. And the Arizona Bowl, Ohio and Wyoming. This is actually televised on Barstool. Very interesting that Barstool is getting into the streaming services. And then the Orange Bowl, it's the first of the New Year's Six Bowls. Tennessee taking on Clemson. Oh, that's going to be exciting. The New Year's Eve, the Sugar Bowl, right at noon. You know, Alabama really does not play a whole lot of noon games. But they're playing against Kansas State. The running back, Deuce Vaughn, going up against that Bama defense. Does Alabama show up and have something to prove against Kansas State? And then Iowa taking on Kentucky in the Music City Bowl, both 7-5. and five. And then ECU taking on Michigan at 4, and then Ohio State taking on Georgia in the Chick-fil-A Bowl at 8. I have plenty of time to preview the college football semifinal games. But then we go into Monday, January the 2nd, where the Reliquest Bowl, Mississippi State taking on Illinois. The Cotton Bowl is Tulane taking on USC. The Cheez-It Citrus Bowl, you know, they have a Cheez-It Bowl, and they have a Cheez-It Citrus Bowl. Nice. LSU taking on Purdue. All right, so you have the two runners up from their conference championships going up against each other. And then Penn State is taking on Utah, and the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl. These games are on Monday, January the 2nd, because we'll have NFL regular season games on January the 1st. Otherwise, it would be a New Year's Day Rose Bowl parade and everything. And the Rose Bowl is always just that tradition and pageantry. And with all that going on, we also will have championships. The FCS championship is Sunday, January the 8th. So the national championship is going to be on that Monday, January the 9th. And then I forgot, you know, the Celebration Bowl, which Dion says he's going to coach Jackson State. In the Celebration Bowl on December the 17th, Jackson State taking on North Carolina Central. And yes, Dion is going to be coaching in that game. The FCS playoffs this Friday, you got Samford taking on North Dakota State. I mean, when does North Dakota State not win a national championship? They do it with Carson Wentz. They do it with Trey Lance. They just have a great FCS team. William & Mary, which they've won a national championship as well, taking on Montana State. Remember Montana State, they went undefeated in the big sky, but they're a shocking opponent who won their first ever FCS playoff game in school history. The Sacramento State Hornets hosting a quarterfinal matchup against Incarnate Word. I cannot believe how great Sacramento State's program has done They have had an NFL player that played for the Sacramento State Hornets, that played for the San Francisco 49ers, my friend Fred Amy. Yes, that's right. 
Went to church with his family. His older brother played defensive end at Arizona State. And so I know that Fred Amy is excited that Sacramento State is in the quarterfinals. And then on Saturday, Holy Cross taking on South Dakota State. Yes, talking FCS playoffs here on the show because I just wanted to give a big shout out. All right, so we have a World Cup matchup that has gone to extra time. They're in the 105th minute right now. And Morocco and Spain, a lot of people think that Spain is going to get out of that matchup and make it to the quarterfinals. Spain won a World Cup back in 2010, their first ever. So I'm going to keep an eye on that game. Don't forget that tonight at Ivy Park Sports Bar and Grill, we are going to have the live show. It's going to kick off at 6 p.m. And some of the guests I'm going to have is including Columbus Rapids player Shava Razy. Now, she is a very intriguing player, played at Columbus State. She's also an actress, very talented. Looking forward to having her on the show. Before I close, we did have some moves in Major League Baseball. Justin Verlander, the ageless one, signs with the New York Mets. Trey Turner signs with the Philadelphia Phillies. The NL East just got more competitive, and this is definitely not something that the Braves fans want to hear, but it is the reality. And uh, quickly in the NHL, the Boston Bruins, still undefeated at home, one of the best teams in the NHL. I'm looking at the NHL just a little bit. I know that uh, Rod Peterson covers the NHL right before me. But give a shout-out to the NHL, because right now the Boston Bruins have the best record in the NHL with 41 points, followed by the New Jersey Devils. And then over in the Western Conference, you have uh, the Vegas Golden Knights with the best record in the Western Conference. And surprisingly, the Seattle Kraken is in second place. In their second year of existence, the Seattle Kraken coming out of nowhere and my hopeless Sharks with just 20 points. I am a Sharks fan. They have only won eight games. They're in second to last place in the Pacific Division. So sad. I know. So don't forget, tomorrow I'm going to have my live show. It's going to be rebroadcast. You'll be able to hear it. And then I will have a show on Thursday. Hopefully I can get a guest on that one. And then on Friday, Corey Bank will be on and we will do our football picks. And we'll talk high school basketball and recap some of the state championship games for GHSAA. As we get closer to the holiday season, I mean, we're officially in the holiday season. It's already December. I plan on taking some time off and visiting the family for Christmas. I plan on having some shows still, but there are going to be some weeks where I'm not going to have five shows in that week. And so you're going to have some replay shows. You'll have some best of shows. I will have a show that will be the best of 2022. It will be just the greatest sound bites and a recap of how this show has really kicked off because we're approaching a year anniversary that I have been on this wonderful radio station called WQEE 99.1 FM, The Key. And I got to tell you, it's 
been amazing. I, I really appreciate that having this opportunity, being away from broadcasting as long as I have, it started with somebody just putting a bug in an athletic director's ear saying, this guy has broadcasting experience, want to give him a, a shot. And I know that public address announcing is kind of the gateway to get into broadcasting. It started at Russell County with public address announcing. And then the Rapids gave me a chance to be the play-by-play announcer. And it led to being on the broadcast team for the Columbus Lions, which led to calling high school football. And the sky is the limit. I know that a couple weeks ago I talked about slowing down, but I could balance it out. I think that it's one of those things that I could do if I really just focus, but I got to make sure that I balance it. And on a sad note, one of the most underrated actresses of my childhood passed away yesterday, and it really shocked me, Kirstie Alley. If you don't know who she is, she was a very underrated actress in the 1980s and the 1990s. I mean, my childhood is just lost right now. Kirstie Alley died at the age of 71. And I know this has nothing to do with sports, but she was in a movie called Look Who's Talking. She was also in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. She was also in a movie called Runaway about these killer robots with Tom Selleck. And of course, everybody knows her, uh, the person that replaced Diane on Cheers. And I know a lot, of, a lot of people didn't really like that, but you know she got along great with Ted Danson. Great chemistry. A very underrated actress. Was in a Amish movie in the 90s with Tim Allen called for richer or poorer. You're probably wondering, why do I know so much about Kirstie Alley? Well, she was also in a sitcom called Veronica's Closet. That aired in the late 1990s, and it was in the perfect time slot. You could put any show in this time slot. It was right on after Seinfeld and right before ER. So I feel that I am Veronica's Closet or Suddenly Susan or whatever show that they put in after Seinfeld and right before ER because I am followed after Rod Peterson. And I am right before Braves Country with Mac McGee and the armchair quarterbacks. So stay tuned for that show because that's going to be the next show. I hope that everybody has a great rest of your day. It is a runoff day in Georgia, so go out and vote. I already voted this morning. And I'm looking forward to seeing you at Ivy Park Tonight at 6 p.m., you can catch that show, a live show on Facebook Live. Just go to the Columbus Rapids Facebook page, and that show will be live. And a rebroadcast of that show will air tomorrow from 2 to 3. You are listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge, broadcasted on WQEE 99.1 FM The Key from 2 to 3 p.m., Monday through Friday. This is a local podcast that covers columbus sports and beyond if you would like to hear more of this podcast you can download us on apple podcasts iHeartRadio, or spotify wherever you get your podcasts and i hope you have a great rest of your day